Death Grip by John Long. For two rock climbers, a friendly rivalry became a terrifying game. For a rock climber, there's a fine line between risk and foolhardiness. If the fool who overreaches himself is fortunate, he'll only have a harrowing close call. Mine happened at Joshua Tree National Park in the California desert. The morning sun peered over the flat horizon, gilding the huge rocks that spotted the desert carpet. John Bashar and I were to climb together, and he suggested a half-dome day. Half-dome is a rock face in California's Yosemite Valley that towers 600 metres. Since Joshua Tree has no rocks even remotely as big as half-dome, we would climb 20 short routes, averaging 30 metres long, which would equate with 600 metres and give us our half-dome day. In a wink, Bashar was shod. Ready? Seeing that he had no rope, no gear, I realised for the first time that Bashar intended to climb free solo, that is, without a rope to protect him from falls. Rock climbing is divided into five classes, ranging from the first, or least difficult, to the fifth, most difficult and dangerous. Bashar was free soloing routes at the top of the fifth class, a standard few climbers had managed even with full protection. One false move usually means instant death. When a plummeting body impacts from a height of about seven metres, bones can shoot through flesh and features can be rasped off the face. At the base of long roots, dead bodies of free soloists have been found so heinously disfigured that they could not be identified. If the roots are steep enough for the plunging soloists to freefall through the air, their bodies virtually explode on impact. I still see some of them in my sleep. I tried to push such grim thoughts out of my mind on that beautiful morning at Joshua Tree. To save face, I said yes to Bashar, and gearless myself set off for the first rock. I kept reminding myself that I had soloed before. Still, I felt jackals running up and down my spine. Two weeks earlier, a friend of mine had fallen while free-soloing at Joshua Tree. I later inspected the base of the root, wincing at the grisly bloodstains, the tufts of matted hair. Poor fellow had suffered two shattered wrists, a broken pelvis and a fractured skull, and had got off lightly because he fell while he was still below what I call the coffin zone, 15 metres and above. If you are going to free solo, I remember thinking, you have to climb within yourself, never goaded by peer pressure or ego. Well, I thought now, if Bashar suggests something too crazy, I'll just draw the line. But the jackals kept running. We embarked on vertical rock, twisting our feet and jamming our hands into bulging cracks, smearing the toes of our skin-tight boots onto tenuous bumps, pulling up over bulbous holds, palming off rough rock and marvelling at it all. A little voice occasionally asked me just how good a half-centimetre hold could be. If you're solid, that is, feeling confident and comfortable on the rock, you set curled fingers or pointed toes on that hold and push or pull perfunctorily, launched upwards by momentum. And after the first few routes, I was solid. Three hours later, we had disposed of a dozen climbs and felt invincible. By early afternoon, we'd climbed our 600 metres. Our half-dome day was history. Then, as a finale, Bashar suggested we solo an even tougher route. At that time, in the late 1970s, the 5.11 grade was world-class level, 
just a tick below the technical limit. I was completely exhausted from racing up 20 different climbs in about five hours, having survived the last four or five on rhythm and momentum alone. Still, I followed Bashar over to the foot of Intersection Rock, which rose 45 metres and overhung us at a 105-degree angle. Bashar moved with flawless precision, plugging his fingertips into shallow pockets in the wall. I scrutinised his moves, making mental notes on the intricate sequence. He paused at 15 metres, directly beneath a large bulge. Splaying his left foot onto a slanting edge, he pinched a tiny rib with both hands and pulled up to a gigantic bucket hold. Nice, deep and secure, what climbers usually call a thank-God bucket. Then he simply walked up the last 30 metres of vertical rock as if it were nothing. From the summit, he flashed down a sly snicker, awaiting my reply. Other climbers milling around below gave me the once-over, as if to say, well? I drew several deep breaths, if only to convince myself. I started up. The first bit passed quickly. Everything was clicking along, severe but steady, and I glided into the coffin zone faster than I could reckon. Then, as I splayed my left foot out onto the slanting edge, the chilling realisation came that, in my haste, I'd bungled the sequence. My hands were too low on the puny rib hold, and my power was ebbing fast. My foot started vibrating, and I was instantly desperate, wondering if and when my body would freeze and plummet. There was no reversing any of this, because you can't climb down hard rock any more than a hurdler can run his course backwards. The only way was up. I glanced between my legs, my stomach churning at the thought of a free fall onto the boulders below. A little voice inside bellowed, Do something! Now! My breathing was frenzied, while my arms, bone-weary from the previous 600 metres of climbing, felt like concrete. Pinching that little rib with my left hand, I just managed to extend my right arm and jam my hand into the crack above. But the crack was too shallow, and it accepted no more than a third of my hand. I was stuck, terrified, my whole existence focused down to a single move. The world stopped. My fear overwhelmed itself, leaving me hollow and mortified. To concede, to let go and fall, would have been easy. But then my little voice calmly said, at least die trying. I punched my hand deeper into the crack. If only I could execute this one move, I'd get to that solid bucket hold next and could rest there before tackling the final section. I was afraid to eyeball my crimped hand, scarcely jammed in the shallow crack. It had to hold my 93 kilos on an overhanging wall with scant footholds. It was ludicrous, impossible. My body jittered there for minutes, Then the little voice said, you have to try. I pulled up slowly, my left foot still pasted to that sloping edge, and the bucket hold was right there. I almost had it. Got it! Simultaneously, my right hand ripped from the crack and my foot flew off the edge. All my weight hung from an enfeebled left hand that still gripped the rib. Adrenaline powered me atop the thank God bucket, where I pressed my chest to the wall got my weight over my feet and started shaking all over. Ten minutes passed before I could press on. I would rather have yanked out my wisdom teeth with pliers. Dancing black orbs dotted my vision 
as I clawed up the final stretch and onto the summit. Bashar laughed. Looked a little shaky, he commented. For a climber, there is only one blasphemy, to willfully jeopardise your life. That, I realised, was what I had done. Throughout the rest of the day, I roamed alone, scouting for turtles, making garlands from wildflowers, relishing the skyscape like a condemned man granted a reprieve. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price.